Today we're starting a brand new series it's called Margin. Everybody say Margin. Margin. You say Margin, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just sometimes accents come out of my mouth. Um, what we're talking about is creating space for the things that matter. Uh, how many of y'all, show of hands, uh, you are feeling the weight of your calendar, your to-do lists, things that have to get done before vacation, or maybe y'all have taken vacation already, and so it's the things that you have to do because you pushed until after vacation. How many, uh, we got, I know we got some teachers uh, in the house, and we also got some students ready to go back to school. Strasburg goes back to school tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Frederick Kelly, uh, Winchester, I believe, on the 15th. When does Winchester go back to school? Next Thursday, too? So Okay. Oh, this Thursday, this Thursday. So, see, some of the teachers don't even know, so that's, that's, that's frightening. Um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of you that uh, have uh, kids that are still in school, like, I'm sure you're even starting to stress out by the, their schedule that they're about to take on, and then that becomes your schedule because 90% of the time you have to get them somewhere, right? So I, I, know, I know life is busy and life is chaotic, and so what we're talking about is margin. Well, how can we have margin in our already busy lives? How can we create margin in our already busy lives? Uh, I think a lot of times when we're talking about margin, this is so um, new to a lot of us because the busyness of our lives has become the, the new norm. Like, if you're not busy, like, you're sitting there, it's like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I need to be doing something. Like, you make dirty dishes so you can clean them, right? You know, you give your kids peanut butter. It's like half a ball, and it's like, you know, you go in power cleaning mode. It's, it's, it's like we, if, if we're not busy, we feel like something is wrong. And I'm not sure if that's okay. You know, I, I, I feel like we, we become a society and a culture that is living a lifestyle that is unsustainable. Sorry, my stuttering comes out every now and then. Unsustainable. And I'll even go as further to say this. Our lives have become unbiblical to where we put the busyness as the norm. Like for me, it kind of blows my mind that it's normal for our seven and eight-year-olds to, on top of the amount of schoolwork that they have, to also be heavily involved in activities outside of school anywhere from four to six days a week. And that's not even including what they do on weekends. But that, that's what life is in our culture these days. And so when we talk about margin, it's so unheard of or it's so far from ever accomplishing it in, in, in today's society. And so I, I, want, I want to challenge us as we start this brand new series, as we're starting a conversation today and I'm talking about margin, I want us to really be asking ourselves, are we enjoying life to the fullest? We can say, yeah, I, I'm enjoying the life and the busyness, or we're enjoying life when we can. So let me reword the question to this. Is the way that we're living life, is that the way that God created us to live the best life? I want us to hopefully ask ourselves this question as we start this conversation. Am I building my life or our lives? Are we building our lives and our plans around God? Or are we expecting God to build his plans around us? 
So as we get into this conversation, I just want to pray. I want to pray that, that God prepares our hearts. And also, I believe what I'm going to be uh, speaking on today is going to ruffle some feathers. And my heart is not to offend anybody. My heart is not to throw daggers and make you feel like, oh, you know, you know, Pastor Mike, he's making me feel bad because I live a busy life or, you know, or, 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 or my kids are involved. No, th- th- that's not my heart today. That's none of our hearts here at Abundant Life Church. But we're simply asking the question, are we creating the margin for God to move? And that means that we have to be very open and honest and vulnerable to even ask God, all right, God, Am I filling my, my, my life in being busy for my sake and for what I consider success, or am I doing it to glorify you? And so I just want to make, our hearts, uh, make sure our hearts are in the right place to even receive God's word and receive God's truth today. So would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for this opportunity just to encounter you. Lord, I pray that we can just humble ourselves in this moment, Lord, to be able to hear from you. God, that nothing of our own desires, nothing of our own intent will hold us back or water down from what you're speaking to us. Holy Spirit, we, I know that you're working in our lives right now. And Lord, some of that anxiety that some of us are even feeling, just even talking about the busyness of our lives or the stress in our lives, it's starting to make us to panic. God, Holy Spirit, right now, bring peace and comfort so we can hear you clearly, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be uh, going, uh, going through a few uh, different passages, passages in the Bible uh, this morning. We're going to start in, in Luke chapter 10. And so I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, I want you to follow along, or unless if you're following the Bible app uh, or our, our My ALC mobile app, there's some notes in there. Uh, or We'll also have some scripture up on the screen as well. But to, to understand how we can make margin in our lives, we have to understand what margin is. Margin, we're going to define as talking about the space between our loads and our limits. When we're using this word margin, we're going to be talking about the space between our loads and our limits. And so simply put, margin is what most of us do not have. And I believe that the best things that God has to offer to us, it's going to happen in the margins. So in Luke chapter 10, we have uh, two young ladies, their sisters, and they're both presented with the same opportunity to encounter Jesus. And so it says this in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, Martha. Brady Bunch fans, come on. Uh, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So you have these two ladies, two sisters, both have the opportunity to encounter Jesus. Both have the opportunity to seize the moment just to be with God. And so Mary, she takes the opportunity. Now, she could have easily, she could have easily said, you know what, hey, this needs to get done, and I know Mary has this that she's working on, and if I can just get these things done, then 
Only then can I sit and, and, and rest and just be with Jesus. She could have easily have done that. But she said, you know what? This takes priority. This matters more. And so, hey, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and just be. Martha, on the other hand, which I, I do believe is a lot of us. Martha, she was distracted. There was things that had to get done. She had to make sure the place looked nice. She had to clean every toilet. She had to literally wipe all the peanut butter handprints on the windows. You know, she, she basically had to make the house Instagram worthy, right? If you notice in this passage, everything that Mary is doing, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like she was doing something that was considered evil or sin. The thing that was distracting her from Jesus were good things. But Mary also got distracted with the good things from the best thing. I, I, I've, I've heard many pastors say this before. If, if the enemy can't make us bad, if the enemy can't make us fall into sin and, and fall into temptation, be prepared, he's going to make you busy. The moment that we become busy with the lesser things in life, we begin to miss out on the most important things that God has for us. Martha was absolutely convinced that what she was doing was the right thing. And, and I feel like this is where we're going to hit a lot of tension today, church. I feel like this is where, I'm, where we're going to get a lot of pushback. Because I believe there's a lot of us not just in this church, but throughout our entire country and throughout our entire world, all across churches, that we believe and that we're convinced that the way that we're living is necessary and is right. That we're, all, that we're automatically going to tune this message out. It's like, oh, okay, that, that, that's a great message, but this isn't for me. It's for that person. And you're not going to point your finger at that person, but you know who you're thinking of right now. You're thinking... This is the life I have to live. If I'm going to provide for my family or, or if we want to uh, live in the house that we want to or if we want to take as many vacations that we want to throughout the year or, 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 or if, if uh, my kids are going to be great at this, then this is what we have to do to be successful. This whole conversation on margin, it's so counterculture. Because it's what everybody wants, but they're not willing to make the sacrifice to get to. And it would rock you to the core to say, you know what? My family and I, we need to make a radical change in our life. Or to say, hey, we need to reevaluate what our priorities are. Most of us today will say, you know what? Hey, pastor, great word, awesome, high five. You know, I'll, I'll take that in consideration. Maybe there's some minor shifts that we can make. Listen, our heart at Abundant Life isn't just for the minor shifts. 
because if the minor shifts would have helped, then we would have made those minor shifts a long time ago. We're talking about radical change that goes against the norm, that looks completely different than what the rest of our culture is doing. In Mark 10, it, it, it talks about this rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler, you know, he was very successful. He wasn't doing, doing anything bad or evil in his life. He, he knew God's word. He followed the law. And he was living, in, in his mindset, he was living a great life. But yet even he felt like, man, there's something missing. And so he goes to Jesus and he's asking, teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I, 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 I read what the word says and I'm doing all that it says that I'm doing. I'm going to church, I'm tithing, I'm helping uh, those that are less fortunate. But what do I need to be doing? And it, it says in, in verse 21, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. And here's the real kicker. Verse 22, disheartened by the saying, the rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful for he had great possession. Now listen, this passage isn't saying Jesus is telling you, sell your house, sell your, your, uh, your, your vehicles, sell your kids, sell, get rid of everything, <laughs> and, 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 and just live in a hut and just celebrate the Lord like that. No, God blesses us. God blesses us with a house. God blesses us with vehicles. God blesses us with a job and career. God blesses us with a great family. God blesses us. That's from the Lord. But he's challenging this young man to say, if you really want to experience the best that God has for you, then give up the thing that you covet the most. What do you covet the most? Because how we live our lives, what becomes the most important thing in our lives, that's what we begin to worship. And you can tell what you worship the most by what you invest all your time in. With, with this rich young ruler, yes, he wasn't doing anything bad. Yes, he was living by the word. But when it came to fully experiencing the best that God had for him, it was a, a, a challenge in reshifting his mind and his thoughts on what it needed to be on. And it wasn't his own success. It wasn't his own accolades. It was what, what God wanted to do through him. I, I, I want to read to you some of the statistics that's happening in our generation right now and in our culture. Because I, I, I firmly believe that this is so counterculture and this is what the, the world would consider radical into reshifting what our priorities are. And listen, my heart today isn't to come, come down on any young person or any family to where you're heavily involved in a lot of activities. 
Like if you're a young person today and you're heavily involved in sports or a job or other uh, curricular activities outside of school, you know, that I'm not telling you it's like shame on you. You shouldn't be involved in that. You should be more involved in church. You should be more involved in this. That, that's not my heart. And I think a lot of times young youth pastors get flack for that. Like we're pushing all the time that they need to be here in the church every day. No, that's not our hearts. Because what I take it from the word is where we need to be Christ outside of our church. Amen? Parents, I'm not, I'm not putting, I'm not putting uh, pressure on you. It's like, oh, you know, our kids can't be involved. You know, they can't be successful in sports. No, what I'm really challenging us, church, is to where our, is everything that our, 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 our families are involved in, is it helping us to create space for God to move and for us to grow in our spiritual walk with God? So I hope we can still be friends after today. I want to read some statistics with you. According to Barna, which is an organization that researches and resources leaders um, on this ever-changing and complex culture that we're living in, you know, th- these statistics have to deal with Generation Z, which is uh, young people ages 4 to 24 right now. It says this, 4% of Gen- Generation Z have a biblical worldview. So when you really do the math, so that means that 90%, 96% of Generation Z are not actively engaging in God's word. You have 16% of U.S. teenagers rank becoming spiritually mature as their future goal, so at least 84% not. And what that's leading to, and one of the biggest struggles that we're experiencing in children's ministry and youth ministry, and that's even affecting the family as a whole, is spiritual apathy all across our nation. 18% of church-going teens say church isn't relevant to them. 43% of U.S. teenagers, when asked what makes you happy, their number one answer is this, financial success. 3% of teenagers read their Bible every day. U.S. teenagers are two times more likely than adults to identify as atheists. 60% of young people who grew up in Christian churches walk away from their faith. Now, listen, not not just as a pastor, but somebody that that deeply loves God, those numbers hurt to hear. Because I ask myself, what can I be doing to help this generation to know who God is and know who they are in him and know their purpose? There's a disconnect that's happening with our younger generations. And, and as, a, as adults, as, as parents, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to speak it real. We got to step it up. I'm pushing, come on. I'm pushing for radical change. I'm pushing for radical change that's going to look different than what our culture is doing. For the sake of our souls, for the sake of our emotional and spiritual help, and for the sake of our young people. Because our young people will model their lives to what is important and what is not important by how the parents and the adults live their lives. We, we, we've, we've said this in ministry before. The number one spiritual influencer in a young person's life isn't going to be the pastor, isn't going to be a volunteer. It's the parent. 
And parents, we're influencing our kids every day. It's a matter of we're influencing them to know God more or influencing them to pursue things that are just good. Talking about life-altering change. Martha was so convinced that what she was doing and how she was living was the right thing to do. Jesus said, you're worried and upset about many things, but the one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the better. The rich young ruler was so convinced that how he was living his life in the pursuit of success, that that was good. But even he knew there was something missing. And then to hear the ultimate truth, go sell everything and then come follow me. There's a sacrifice that needs to be made to experience the best that God has. So we can settle for the good, but the better is still out there. We're going to be going through this series all month. I want us to understand we have a choice. We have a choice in what we're going to pursue. We, we can choose to, to live a life with margin to where it's creating space for God to do the amazing and the best. Or we can live a life without margin and just settle for the good. Doesn't make it bad. Doesn't mean that we still can't experience God. But do we want to get to the place where we get into heaven and look back and realize, wow, there is so much that I could have experienced, the immeasurably more. I kind of look at it like this. Every, every one of us, or maybe it's just me, I don't know. I, I, I kind of break down how I prioritize my life in, like, boxes. You know, there's a book that came out, like, years ago. It's called... Uh, Men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti. Men, we, we think and we compartmentalize our, our thoughts in, in boxes to where here's how we separate everything. And if I had a bigger table, I would actually have another box that was literally nothing. <laughs> women, I, wives, I think you know what I'm talking about. When, when your husbands, they go to their nothing box. Women, y'all laugh, but y'all know, women are like spaghetti, where their thoughts are just intertangled and women all together, and just all somehow it looks messy, but it all connects and works. But listen, this is how we try to prioritize our life. And listen, you, you may be a, a, a different uh, age than some of the other people. You may not be married. You may not have a family right now. So, so your, your priorities may look a little bit different than this. But if I was to prioritize my, my life, well, it's like, all right, so my career, you know, how, how I'm going to financially support support my family, how, how I'm going to set my family for future success. You know, I, my marriage is, is a priority of my life, you know, to where my wife and I, we're growing strong, we're growing closer. You know, my family, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't want my family to fail, so it's like I, I, I want my family to be close and tiny. I want to have a close relationship with them. You know, maybe, maybe for you, you can fill this box in with whatever. Maybe it is fitness. Maybe it's like I want to be fit. I want to look good. You know, or, or some, some of us may say our, our social media presence, you know, all, all those selfies, all those filters, everything that you're doing on social media. You know, may, may, maybe it, it, for a young person it, it's, it is a sport. Maybe it is your career. Maybe it is your future and what you're trying to accomplish. 
Oh, and then we have our relationship with God. We, we think, we, we, we try to plan out that our life can be separately even in each category. All right, I have my time with God. Okay, I have my time with my family. Okay, here's my time for my job. But if we can be honest with ourselves, life doesn't look like this. Because life happens. The unexpected happens. And so we can't evenly commit the same amount of time to our career than we can to our, our, our family or to our marriage. Or, or sometimes we, we, something happens where we got to take our kids to the, to the doctor because they're throwing up everywhere. And so we can't commit to the time on, 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 on looking good and fitness or whatever. Whatever it is for you. But what tends to happen, and this is the reality, church. When life happens and we're trying to keep things afloat and, and we have to take time from somewhere else, where do we always take it from? It's our time with God. And so our time with God is nowhere near in comparison with every other category in our lives. Because we have to prioritize, well, I still need the, I still need the time of my job so I can put food on the table. Or like, oh, my, 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 my marriage has been struggling, so I got to get more time here. Or like my kids' schedule, I have to get them practice on time, or they're not going to make starting position. Or I got to get in the gym, or I'm not going to have those abs I want before 2019 ends. <laughs> and so what begins to happen? The time with God becomes less and less and less until there's nothing left to give. We, we, we imagine that this is what life is supposed to look like, but that's not what God created us to live life. There's no way that we can ever make room for margin when we're trying to compartmentalize our priorities. That doesn't create margin. And when there's no margin, when margin begins to decrease, relational intimacy begins to decrease. So when margin decreases, your relationships begin to decrease. We, we've seen it all the time. When, when life is so stressful at work, then when you're at home with your family, you take out your stress and your frustrations on them, the people that you love the most. I'll be honest, I sp there's been times like I get home from work and I'm so exhausted and, and hel helping with the kids at home or, or, or helping to make uh, dinner. And, and so finally, once the kids are down, Megan and I, we have a chance to actually eat dinner. You know, we try to sit around the table. Half the time, we don't sit around the table. We're so dumb. We're so exhausted. We sit on the couch and literally put on a TV show, and we just zone out. There's no connection. I remember one time, we went, we went on a date uh, to Okinawa up here in Winchester, and we're eating at the hibachi grill. And I, I just, like, become a kid while I'm, sit, while I'm sitting in front of the hibachi chefs because they're so cool. I wish I could be like them. Um, you know, when they do, like, the little egg roll and they make the volcano flame, it's like, I was like, ah! <laughs> and, and I remember this one time we're, we're sitting there, and I'm literally watching a table, like, two tables down from us. And the, this chef, he, he was, like, he was on his game. He was awesome. He was cracking jokes. It was hilarious. He was making me laugh two tables down. And I remember watching this family. And every one of them were so disengaged what was happening right in front of them. Because what were they doing? Every one of them were on their phone. 
answering some emails, looking at social media feed, uh, 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 playing a game, trying to take pictures. They're disconnected. When there is margin that is decreasing your life, it decreases spiritual intimacy. The same thing happens not just with our relationships with others. It happens with our relationship with God. Especially when we're so stressed out, work or so stressed, and what's happening in our marriage, you know that we're too stressed out to even go to God. I don't know if it's we just don't have time or, 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 or we're too prideful to go to him, or maybe we're just too shameful to even ask God for help. And when there's a, a decrease in spiritual intimacy, the stress increases. We start taking that stress and that frustration out on each other. It, it affects us financially. When there's no margin, when margin begins to decrease in our lives, it affects every area. But yet that's what we call the norm. I remember in the beginning of this year, we talked about the vision for this church and where we're moving forward is that we're going after the immeasurably more that God has promised us. The immeasurably more that was available and waiting for us. But if we have no margin in our lives, we can't be able to attain it because we're filling it with other things and other stuff. And then we never get to experience the best that God has for us. And the problem with this mindset and the problem with living this way is that when it, not having margin shows that there's a lack of faith in God to move. A lack of margin is a reflection of a lack of faith. I'm going to, I'm going to end with this. Uh, if you're familiar with the story of, of Abraham and Sarah, in their older age, God made a covenant promise to Abraham. And that God was going to bless Abraham and Sarah with a child. And that it was going to multiply their lineage all across the land. And, and that Abraham's lineage would lead to giving us our Savior, our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And when, and when God made this, this promise to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're very, very old in their time. And they're even questioning, God, are you, are you sure about this? Are you sure that you mean us? Like, we're old. We, we, we can't do this. We, we can't have a kid at this age. Every time God presents something to us, we think, how can that ever happen? but it's only because of God that it can. And lo and behold, they, they had Isaac, and, and Abraham loved his son. And, and, and Abraham was raising him up to be a man that was passionate and loving of God. And I remember reading in that passage that, that God began to test Abraham. He began to test him and say, you know what? I want you to offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice to me. And, and as a father now, it, 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 I read it in a completely new perspective. Can you imagine the conversation that Abraham had to have with his son Isaac? 
to have to explain to him what, what, what God is requiring of the both of them. To not fully understand what God was asking yet, but to truly trust him and to know that God's plan, his perfect plan and will was better than what we could ever imagine, what we could have ever have created on ourselves. And I read that passage and I think of, of Isaac helping his, his father bring everything needed for the sacrifice, everything that needed to make that offering, knowing full well that he was going to allow his father to offer him to God. He didn't understand as a young child. I think to myself, well, my son, would my son even understand that? But here's what brings it all together. Both Abraham and Isaac, they found peace that God came first. They may not have understood everything that God was asking or requiring, but they still chose that even through everything, God is sovereign. And God, it's your will, not my own. And if you, if, you, if you know the story, then right as Abraham's about to sacrifice Isaac, an angel of the Lord comes and says, stop, halt. God sees your obedience and your faithfulness. And he provided a ram and they, made, and they sacrificed the ram there. You see, when we try to live our lives to be successful in our own ways, we never create the margin. And we think that this is the way that it has to be. And that's not the way it's to be. See, when it comes to prioritizing your life, when it comes to creating the margin, we have to understand that everything else has to go before our Lord, has to go before our God and say, God, you know what? I don't understand, you know, that, that job that you create, hey, it's going to set me up financially for life. But, you know, maybe it's not the season. Maybe it's not the right now. But, God, I'm just going to trust in you. Lord, I don't have clarity on, on, on what's happening with my family right now. But, God, I just need to offer it to you and allow you to have control. And, God, I trust in you. God, there are some things in my life that, you know what, I'm not even sure if it's really helping me grow closer to you. But, God, I'm going to trust in you. Lord, have your way. See, the moment that we step back and say, God, I'm going to stop trying to control my life and start making life what I think it looks like, and I'm going to start trusting you in it. Everything fits, and everything works according to his plan and to his will. It's a matter of trusting God completely that what he has is the very best. That's why in Genesis, the angel even says to Abraham and to Isaac, I will surely bless you because of your obedience, because of your faithfulness. I will bless you. I will bless your family. I will bless your offspring. All through the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's how we're going to make the choice to create that margin for God to move in our lives. We have to stop living according to the patterns of, of, of this world, of, of how our community has been functioning over the past however many years. 
What would happen if we were a community that lived according to God's standards? How would that impact our own culture and community here in Stephen City and Winchester and Clearbrook and all across the Frederick County and Shenandoah Nation, right? Having margin means making the sacrifice needed to put God first. As we get ready to pray, as we get ready to end, end our time here, I just want to ask you to join us on this journey. We know making radical shifts is hard and it's difficult. And I know for some of y'all, you've probably been feeling like the anxiety this whole time. But you know it's because of the shifts and changes that need to happen in your life. What has to happen for you to experience the margin for God to move? Mary simply was with Jesus. Martha felt that the other things had to take priority. The rich young ruler couldn't fathom living a better life than the one that he set and what he thought was more successful. Abraham and Isaac both had to say, even though I don't understand it, even though that this goes counterculture, I have to trust God that he has a better plan and a better future for my life and for my family's life. Maybe you're thinking, what? where do I begin? Where do I start? Ask him. And Isaiah 58 says, the Lord will guide you always. We just got to trust that God has and knows better than we do. How, how, how can I walk through this? Just be still. Know that God is God. Know that God is sovereign. Know that God has your back through it all. Let God be the peace and the understanding and the chaos of the busyness. Here's my challenge to you this week. That we take five minutes a day and just be with God. That doesn't mean me going off and praying, well, God, I need this, and God, you got to help me with this. No, 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 no. Just be. Just listen to God. For some of us, like myself, I have a hard time sitting still. I have a hard time controlling these thoughts. But I'll never get the opportunity to experience more of God if I don't even take the risk and the chance. Take five minutes. Yes, the laundry's there, but it can wait. The work project needs, has a deadline. Your spiritual walk and, 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 and the example that you set for your family is more important than a deadline. Take five minutes just to be. Because it's going to be the first and most significant step in creating the margin for the best that God has for us. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are.
And God, I thank you for creating this time that we could be real and we can be vulnerable. God, at any time it's having this conversation, we know it's hard because <laughs> making the sacrifices, it costs us something. God, if it didn't cost us anything, it's, it wouldn't be important. It wouldn't matter. But creating this margin for the best that you have and for that immeasurably more, God, it's going to require us to make a sacrifice. And so, God, I pray just in this time, Holy Spirit, that you just begin to lay on our hearts. Bring some conviction. Bring some clarity. Bring some peace and understanding. And that taking this next step, God, it's going to be worth it. And it's going to be better than what we could ever imagine us doing on our own. We thank you, God. We pray all this in your name.